Welcome to the Motivity State Podcast, the space where we dive into mobility, movement, biomechanics, neurology, and much, much more. Hello, hello. Uh, it's another day, another episode of the Motivity State Podcast. Uh, today, my guest is David Gray. Some of you might know him, some of you might not, but I'll let him introduce himself in just a moment. Uh, just as usual, I want to share our, uh, the story of how I know the guests. Uh, in, in, in our case, I believe uh, we connected over Instagram through the AIM community, Anatomy Motion, uh, through Gary Ward. And then I've been following his work uh, for probably a couple of years now. And he has actually exploded uh, his following and his success stories and everything programs over the last couple of years. Uh, apart from that, he also, I guess, uh, learned from some people I also learned from. Um, but without further ado, uh, David, uh, tell us about your personal story. I mean, who are you? What are your, what's your background and, uh, and all, all things related? Yeah, I'll try and make a brief rattle. Uh, thank you very much for having me on. I'm looking forward to the chat. Um, I am kind of a rehab specialist, I would say, based in Ireland. Um, it kind of falls between, it, I basically just work with movement more often than not. Um, there's a very little bit of manual therapy sprinkled in here and there when I feel like I need it. But I think 99% of it is movement. And that's been probably accelerated because of the COVID situation and, and the online stuff and the ability to just share some of my work online and everyone like there's a lot of people I suppose on Instagram saying that they work with movement but then in the privacy of their own of their own clinic they're still doing a lot of hands-on work and actually not not as much movement as they as they claim they are but um that's definitely not the case for me because the programs are delivered online obviously so I can't rub someone through the screen um so yeah just work with a, a variety of people um a lot of athletes, a lot of very high level athletes, but then all the way down to just someone who's in pain and wants to feel a little bit better. And as you said, there there's been a big variety of systems, I suppose, that I've kind of taken a lot of influence from over the years. And some of them wouldn't be wouldn't wouldn't be my biggest fans because they don't they don't tend to like me very much because I I don't I rarely take what the system is saying as gospel. I'm just trying to figure out some of the principles behind it and then tweak it and play with it. Not not for the sake of variety, but just for the sake of trying to find what works best for me. Um, so loads of different different systems. Anything that I could get my hands on over the years, and it's been a long journey for me to um, be where I am now and and working for, with some really cool people and being able to kind of mentor and help some other therapists and coaches along the way and um and yeah that's that that's kind of it it's been an interesting few years in terms of trying to especially on the business side of it i suppose um and i heard i heard a phrase recently where someone said running a business is like jumping out of an airplane and uh trying to trying to figure out how to put to make a parachute on the way down so that's certainly what been what it's felt like over the last couple of years so um so yeah, I, I hope that's some kind of an introduction, but um, yeah, it's just been, it's just been an interesting couple of years and, and lots of learning and still trying to still making mistakes, but still trying to learn as I go along. 
Yeah, and actually, the, what you're saying, I wanna I wanna uh, touch three points on what you what you said. First is about uh, working with movement. Although you're like like a physio and like a lot of your colleagues, uh, especially like it's a global thing. It's not just in Ireland or Bulgaria, but uh, it's all over. Um, they they put uh, clients when they they go with pain. They put clients in some like a vacuum environment, and then they do that those tests who uh, which have been around for for decades and like rotations whatever like uh, angles and stuff and then but they don't connect the dots and they just specifically work on a local issue and most of the times it's a global global problem uh which manifests in like a local tissue or local um, joint or whatever it is so that's one and that's probably why uh why uh, uh what you do resonates with me because I'm the same way. I don't have any formal medical education, but since I've learned from some of the people you, you've also learned and, and others, um, all of them are, are not necessarily uh, medicine med- medical professionals, but they teach movement, which actually works and they connect the dots and it, it works for people, which is, I guess, the end goal, uh, yeah. uh, provide solutions. Yeah, yeah. And, so uh, the, the movement side of it, sorry to interrupt. I, I, um, the, the only thing that we know what, that works is movement at the end of the day. And it doesn't have to be perfect movement or anything like that. But you will you will see someone struggling when they're just not even getting out for a walk every day or something like that. So the only thing that we actually know works. We don't know what movement is the best for a person, but we do know we can't survive without movement. So it does make sense to me that we would try and prescribe movement to people and, and encourage movement and encourage good movement, hopefully as well. Yeah, and this is another thing which you mentioned that it, who who decides what good and bad movement is. I mean, it's very specific to the person and to the goals. Of course, if he's an athlete, he's, he's he might not need end range strength, for example. I mean, it might be specific, a very specific mobility or whatever loading that that they need for the sport. Or if it's like a regular Joe who goes out for a walk and nothing else, means I mean, just train that so he enjoys like life. I mean, he doesn't have to become like. Uh, do like ten reps in like like a Nordic uh, glute cam raise or whatever it is like yeah. those of those popular exercises nowadays that which everyone's bragging about, and and another thing about uh, what you said, um, uh, not being dogmatic and not following the gospel of, of systems. I, I believe I'm also the same way because I, I, I it's important for me to understand about the principles which it, which it teaches because once it helps you with your assessment and finding out what what's the what the issue is and then once you know the principles the exercises are already there i mean i mean it's free they're they're free on the internet i mean anyone can do it but it's a thought process that you follow in order to get to the the solution yeah exactly yeah the thought process that's always critical thinking is what uh, is what i think we are missing and there's a lot of recipes like on the internet there the recipe for your knee pain the recipe for your back pain um and even in the medical world i think they're teaching and they kind they kind of need to teach in that way because it needs to be standardized in some way where like a lot of people that fall under a similar umbrella are going going to approach things in in a similar way but unfortunately the body is very complex uh fortunately and unfortunately the body the nervous system the brain is very complex and it doesn't it doesn't really agree or transcribe to the the recipe system and what the reason why you have like both of our pain might be very 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 similar we both might have the exact same injury or quite similar injury but 
our nervous systems might deal with it in a very different day, different way. And also the reason why it developed in the first place might be because of, for you, it might be you haven't slept very well in a month and you go for a walk and even just walking on an uneven ground doesn't feel so good. For me, my knee pain might be, well, I actually hurt my ankle six months ago and now that's not really able to take load and and um, distribute load around the system so my knee is overworking as a result and then there's a million other things on top of that and and even me saying those two examples are quite reductionist because that's not even how movement is organized or how pain actually even works we don't even understand how it works very well but we know it's very rarely one thing it's usually a a, a multitude of factors that kind of lead up to something so to say that for a lot of people will just say you have pain here you need to do this exercise and i need to do this manual therapy because that tissue is tight doesn't i don't think it really respects the complexity it, it, it's it's very ignorant i think and it's um disrespectful to the complexity of the human being i think yeah, yeah and i think that part of the problem is that when people deal with pain uh and when actually mm, our colleagues or medical professionals not deal with pain that they spe- they specialize, but then they 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 forget that it's a whole system and it's actually a system of systems, and then they leave out many things and not, not remember to put it all together, and then to explain to to the person in in an understandable way, and then when somebody's labeled with like herniated discs, and then they become the victim like in the long term most of the time and and then this hinders their their movement and then it's a vicious circle and it goes on and on and on like that yeah. uh and and as as you said um I, I sometimes the example with not sleeping well is a very good one because i mean i i tend to have pretty decent mobility but uh when i don't sleep well I don't lose the the range of motion that I already have it achieved because it's a long lasting thing uh, that mm-hmm. I've worked for all, over the years. But my joints feel kind of like rusty, and I'm, not that it that, that that it hurts or in any way, but it just doesn't feel right. So yeah. it's a really good example with sleep and other stuff or in your daily life, which people don't don't take into consideration. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. The, the, yeah. the, that's, where, that's where movement quality it comes back to a lot of movement quality. It's very easy to sit to talk to someone about like range of motion. How far can you go into a movement? But the when you look at the best movers, and that that's that obviously depends on the task. But when I think of great movers, I think of like really fluid tennis players, or soccer players, or sprinters who can really be basically what I think of is coordination and rhythm and efficiency and yes maybe power and strength but those qualities are underpinned by the rhythm and the coordination and when we when we were maybe lacking sleep or whatever it might be our, our, our rhythm and coordination is affected and that might not be very clear on the surface level you might not see a big difference like very good coaches sometimes will see a big a difference but in it, like at the level of the nervous system, at the level of the tissue, the intermuscular coordination starts to change, um, and even small changes will will have big effects. Because if you think about someone maybe going for a run, and and someone hurts or, or, or tears an ACL or something like that, like these things are happening w- within milliseconds. My foot hits the floor, and I have milliseconds before 
before something happens. So the reflexes need to be able to kick in quite quickly to protect me. So these are small coordinated changes that we're maybe not able to see. And we think we're absolutely fine. And we think that maybe more stretching or more range of motion is the answer when often it's movement quality and the coordinative effects that we need to ch chase. And they're the things that, that I would define the best movers by when I see, when I see them moving in that rhythmical explosive um, way, but also in a way that like they're interacting with their environment in a very, in a very, in a very cool safe way as well at the same time despite what looks like it could be very very dangerous they mo 99.999 percent of the time they're they end up being completely safe and that's because their body has learned to coordinate coordinate those movements so well yeah i i i have i have those stories of posting some videos on instagram like with like the the inside squat inside knee squat and other like ankle stuff loaded and and people have commented that this is, doesn't feel safe and like all that stuff and i'm like first of all like i don't ask anyone to do it and second of all i should just show what the body's capable of when like progressively loaded over time in a safe mm -hmm. manner and this this makes like all the difference like when i go hiking with my family and i i'm carrying my my baby son like on the rocks and then if i slip and 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 not hurt my ankle or not drop him in any way but be able to come back to center in a in a safe way so i mean people tend to forget that most of the time they do training for the sake of training or mobility for the sake of mobility and they tend to forget that we the things we do in the gym and or in that controlled environment actually has to serve us for our daily life and not feeling the pain and actually enjoying all the activities outside for most of us because like i'm not a professional athlete but i do enjoy hiking doing all the all the other activities and then i want to be on the safe side so why not yeah absolutely because we've detached ourselves so much from the environment like the natural habitat that uh we've lived on like even our grandparents like working on outside more and and like we go from zero to 100 like we go from sitting 10 hours to like lifting weights or doing like sprinting and other stuff like people take sprinting and running for granted but it's like more complex and then when it's, they start running and for them like having a knee pain while running is something so uncommon i'm like yeah because this and this needs to work in in that fashion so these need these things need to coordinate and first as you said in on the uh, on the uh intramuscular level and then like extremities and trunk like most of most of the people lack that coordination because they, they don't walk enough so then there's no arm swings there's no like coordination between the upper and lower body which mm -hmm. is pretty critical so uh, you're absolutely right about coordination and i think it's part which is uh, heavily missed in in, in training and so yeah. would you might mostly satch to frontal and the power lies in the transverse like all the martial arts say it like all the um explosive stuff of uh, athletes uh, do that well so yeah yeah it's it's the thing generating power uh yeah. cool uh good start good start i like it <laughs> all right you mentioned briefly that you learned from many people uh would you mind sharing some of your teachers or some of the people who have influenced you the most yeah um absolutely i'd be, be happy to um i don't want to leave anyone out now that's the problem um so <laughs> i guess i guess um so someone like people like Ido Portal kind of very much caught my eye, maybe more just 10 years ago or 10 or 12 years ago, where I was very became very, very interested in in what 
what he was doing and how he spoke about movement and he was very charismatic and quite different to what what I had seen in the past. Um, I've since learned that maybe like that that was probably my first my first big where I really bought into something. I was like, this guy has all the answers, you know, and and I I learned so much from him and I'm I'm quite thankful to someone like Edo. I think he takes a lot of flack in the media or on Instagram these days because he he he's quite loud about things or has been in the past and I think it's it's kind of unfair in some ways because I think like he has done a lot a lot of people have been influenced by him directly or indirectly and they've set him he've set them off in their path and yeah they might have found different ways or found or found better ways or what they believe to be better ways but he still probably influ- has influenced a lot of people along the way in the first place so I'm grateful to people like Guido Portal um People like Charles Poliquin, who was kind of some of his methods are being kind of brought back into life and and uh, not brought back to life, just being remarketed at the moment by people. Um, yeah. uh, quite quite substantially remarketed. Um, but he he was doing all that stuff, and Edo was doing all that stuff ten or fifteen years ago, like the knees over toes stuff and things like mm-hmm. that. It's 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 pretty incredible for me to see that being remarketed and resold as something new. Um, People like um, Yuri Verkashansky in terms of he was one of the first people I would have started to look into when it came to learning learning more about plyometrics. Um, when I was starting to learn about like look at Charles Poliquin's way of doing things and just basically he was one of the the main men in strength and conditioning. And then Yuri Verkashansky would have been the, the the godfather of plyometrics, I suppose. So those are two big words for me. And uh, Edo on the on the mobility side, and then I, I fell into some kind of Chinese martial arts and Taoist arts and internal martial arts, and I learned a lot from. I actually learned a ton, probably the most I've learned out of anyone from from those guys that world. Um, and I look back at that stuff, and I actually look at those people, and I see them actually being the best movers in terms of generalists, not not specialists, but in terms of generalists, they 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 move the best in as far as I can see in terms of longevity, fluid coordinated movement, being able to move in an efficient way, but also in terms of the negative transfer of training. So a lot of strength and conditioning stuff you see there's a big negative transfer of training, I would say, which is very rarely talked about, which is a lot of the time sacrificing range of motion at my joints for strength and sacrificing sometimes fluidity of movement and breathing mechanics and all these different things for for strength which doesn't necessarily have to be the case but when i look at chinese martial artists and internal martial artists i see a lot of strength disguised in a body that doesn't look very strong um because they understand and appreciate the importance of the tendons more than the muscles i think um and i see them staying very relaxed when they need to be able to be relaxed and also mindset and how they how they view the world and and that they tend to not have as many confrontations as people who are maybe drawn to be to being in the gym and being like i'm the biggest strongest guy in the world and and no one is better than me so that that world really opened my eyes i think and i'm grateful to that world and even now i work a lot on the breathing side of things and i still look back and say actually they had all this figured out they didn't maybe have the biomechanics of it and and uh, here's exactly what's happening but the practical aspects and the things that i use with so many clients now they had it all figured out it was all part of the system so um and then there's people like Dave O'Sullivan, who you know, um, who's a, a, an amazing physio, I think. Um, 
PRI, mm-hmm. Posture Restoration Institute, on the breathing side of it, they're doing unbelievable work. I think they're probably taking a bit of flack as well these days, but because because maybe they're not loading people or, or getting them strong enough would, would be the would be the thought process there. But also, I I think people forget that they 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 learn principles from them. You need to take the principle from them, and when you understand that, you can go and do any amount of squats you want or any amount of deadlifts you want. But you understand the principles of where they're coming from. So I think the PRI world is amazing. Franz Bosch is another one on the more on the performance end of the spectrum and the coordination that we were speaking about earlier. I think he's doing the best job out there in terms of strength and conditioning, trying to limit the negative transfer of training and trying to get people doing very well on the coordinated side. And then Gary Ward and Anatomy in Motion on the more gentle side, I suppose, if I, I just think about my rehab plans or working with a client, that stuff would come quite early. And I butcher it because I don't use the full gate cycle or the model that he uses. I just take little small things from what I need and uh, mix it up with some other stuff. But um, I think he's done a, a brilliant job in kind of mapping out that gate cycle for people who are interested in it. And um, then there's people like Gary Ward or Gary Gray, who is kind of the godfather, I suppose, of the 3D movement and on getting people like... Gary Ward is very specific. This joint should do this exact thing at this exact time. Gary Gray is like, okay, we're going to get people moving in three dimensions. And when I reach an arm this way, here's what happens to the knee. And let's just expose them to those movements and get their body moving in all those different ways. And um, I think that's incredible stuff. And that's there's so many people that have been influenced by him probably that don't actually know they've been influenced by him. Um, So, yeah, there are some of the people. um, And then there's been loads and different strength and conditioning coaches and basically anything I could get my hands on over the years. So, but for, for a start for people, they're, they're probably some really good people to, to check out, I think. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I think, uh, uh to go back to something which you mentioned uh, earlier is, uh, about the uh, PRI. And I think when, and, and also this might, this might go for Gary, uh, Gary Ward, who's like, uh, uh, some of the best teachers I've learned from. Uh, so I, I don't want it to, I want it to, I don't want it to sound in a bad way, but as you said, their approach is a bit gentle. And um, m- when I work with people, I also start gently because I don't know the person initially when he starts working with me. So uh, I do the assessment and the exploration. And then for the most part, um, nowadays people lack or clients lack many things. So I'll try to go gentle and then and progressively start adding some of my knowledge from back in the days when I was teaching people with lifting weights and all that stuff. So I try to mix this these things. But as I said, I start earlier with the, the, the structural stuff, structural integrity, and then I build all, I build some strength on top of it. And I, I think some of the some of the guys who are not interested in Gary and the PRI approaches and principles, it's just because of that because they don't see the strength component uh, on top like uh, on top of the foundation of the the, the, the other stuff. And yeah. I think this gives you a, a good buffer of strength uh, for solidifying what you've achieved earlier, and then for things not to go back to where they were. So because like I mean nobody nobody ever said I mean. I'm too strong, right? Like it's it's good. It's, people feel feel nice when they're strong. They're they're capable of doing stuff or all the hormonal response and all that stuff. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's about it. No, I think that's a very good point. I think, and I think the other end of the spectrum too is that some of the people that fall into 
some of those worlds where it's more gentle movement, they make the mistake. In, in my view, they make the mistake, not saying that they're wrong and that I'm right, but they make, I think they make the mistake of never progressing people past that work. It's not that you have to forget about that work. You can still do that stuff, but there's, there's a lot of people, I think, out there at the moment making claims that they help the client. So my client had knee pain and he had knee pain for six months and then he came to me and we've been working on this gentle stuff for the last three months and now he no longer has knee pain. And they'll say, they'll laugh at the previous physio that had that client because they couldn't get them, get them out of knee pain and look how well I did. But they'll forget to mention that you also, that like they're not running anymore. They had knee pain when they were running and you just kept mm. doing gentle stuff and told them not to run. So you've just completely detrained them, taken, taken away a lot of their activity levels. And of course they have no pain, but you haven't actually progressed them back to the point where they had pain, got pain in the first place. So you have to be careful with, with working on gentle stuff and making claims that I've helped someone or was it just the fact that their, their activity levels went decreased and I, I read that's something that gets me very frustrated with people at the moment because we have to understand that there's more important things than a knee. There's lungs and a heart and mental health and all of these things. And, and yes, yeah, someone might be running and have a little bit of knee pain, but like if they lose that in their life, they might be sitting on the couch and like might get heart disease or, you know, so there's, we, we have to, we have to try and progress people on to strength and, being more and more and more active and the gentle stuff can assist with that, but it's never going to be enough to get someone. It's never going to be enough to rehab someone from an ACL injury and just keep working gently on their foot. They're going to have to start to build up a lot of strength in their quads and their hamstrings and their calves and work on fast movement and jumping and all of these things. Um, so this is why all these systems I have, play, I think have, have massive parts to play, but we can't, I, I think we can't make one of them our gospel, I think. Unless, of course, you just love working in that system and helping people at that time. But also then you shouldn't be making claims that I'm the, I'm the person that has the answers to everything because you don't, you're just working on a very specific thing. Yeah, and then and then the problem also for me, uh, what that I see is also the followers of, the followers of the the person or the system sometimes also they they get uh, they get their thinking gets very very confined and dogmatic and then believe this is this is the be all and end all and then they forget that there's other solutions that work just like with dieting I mean no one diet works like multiple diets diets might work for losing weight it doesn't mean that it's going to work for me what works mm -hmm. for you and so and and, and vice versa so in, in regards to to systems i guess the most important thing is getting the principles but i think the hard part is because there's so much information out there nowadays and like people are overwhelmed like and and they're the basic basic knowledge about movement uh, for most people is limited i mean it's not, i'm not saying it's their fault it's it's they're, they're just they're just not specialists but i keep telling people it's good to start learning stuff about yourself with i mean I'm, I'm sure you're the same way but myself and my team we always try to educate as much as much as we can so people are self-sustainable and they don't have to rely on us or any other person so the the more they learn in their 20s 30s the the the, the better they're going to move and the better they're going to be able to filter the the wackles out there who are trying to sell them stuff and then even 
whatever fix themselves or get, or get out of pain uh, themselves when they know how to assess and reassess themselves. And, and um, so since the level is very low, they will believe anything and they want the 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 the, 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 the right answer. That's so they did the critical thinking, mixing mm-hmm. things together. This comes on a on a next level once once they actually understand the baselines. Yeah. So I believe this is also a part of the problem. Yeah. Cool. Uh, assessments. So I'm interested to find out how do uh, how do you work with uh, brand new clients? So what do you look for in the beginning? Like how does your assessment go 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 like? Yeah. Um, so everyone has the a similar a similar like generic assessment in the beginning where I obviously get their form and get them to fill out their form and let me know what's going on and we take into account a lot of um I try and take into account like a lot of emotional traumas or physical or non-physical stressors along the way so like have you lost your job or like back when especially sometime around where your issues started to crop up was there any stressors around that time were you not sleeping well around that time or whatever it might have been so very interested in that and I'm very interested to hear people's story of like what they think is going on what they've tried in the past what has worked for them what maybe hasn't worked what their lifestyle is like and then so like that 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 is um, I think a lot of people do that in their assessment but they're just asking questions for the sake of asking them rather than actually being genuinely interested which I think is a massive mistake because a lot of the time so many of the clues just lie in that kind of injury history but an injury history is much more than just right did you like what injuries did you pick up but also like what movement habits have you picked up from over the years and what beliefs have you picked up about your body over the years because some there might be nothing in the injury history that leads me to believe like someone has back pain because of some an injury but someone might have told them that they can only sit up straight. You shouldn't sit in any other way. And so they're sitting like that with a bold straight spine for 16 hours of the day. So like the, <laughs> these understanding their, their habits, but also their beliefs is very important. If I could only do one thing in an assessment, it would be just have a chat with them. And, and usually that will lead us to start to play around with movement rather than assessing going crazy on assessment. Um, cause I think on assessment, you actually learn a lot about someone just as you watch them move. And as you play around with things, I think you pick up way more than having a really, really structured assessment. Um, so generic movement assessment usually looks like a toe touch. Then I'd like to have a look at a toe touch. Very interesting for me to see how their spine actually moves. Not really much to do with how the, how flexible the hamstrings or calves are, but just spine yeah, and, yeah. and pelvis, um, how they shift weight through the feet. I like to look at a, just a rotation in standing, rotate your body left and right. Um, really cool to see internal and external rotation at the hips and the knees and pronation and supination at the feet. And you'll often see lots of clues then on the standing rotation. People will bring their arms up and really drive the movement left and right from their upper body. And it's kind of like a clue that's like, okay, your pelvis just doesn't rotate at all. You're just driving motion as hard as you can in what should be, it's a high threshold strategy in what should be a relaxed movement. I I like to look at um, a lateral flexion. So just run your right hand down alongside your right leg left hand down along the side of your left leg and you'll see some nice weight shifts from left to right when they do that and how the spine side bends and if they can get 
length kind of through the lateral rib cage and the obliques and in the frontal plane um some things you'll pick up there is that like okay as i slide my hand down along my right leg all the weight dumps onto my right leg my pelvis doesn't really shift left whereas as I, for example and when i slide my hand down along my left leg all the weight still goes onto my right leg so you'll see that like you have to you have to know what you're looking for here but like a lot of people will yes the spine looks like it can side bend and they can reach a, a similar spot down along the side of their leg with their hand but how they've weighed, how they've got to that position is the, is is not the same on both sides and that's what we were talking about earlier it's not often not the amount of motion they get but how they've spread that motion through the joints and how the system is organized to that um and then i like to look at a squat whatever way they want to do a squat it tells me a massive amount about usually usually shifts as well so if you look at a squat from the back you see them sitting down and then when they hit when they go to hit around 90 degrees you'll see this shift over to one hip or the other and that starts to tell you a bit about if they're lacking maybe internal or external rotation on one of the hips they're trying to avoid that motion and you'll also see then obviously in a squat you'll see some nice dorsi what's happening with dorsiflexion um what's happening with hip flexion hip extension and how well they can actually keep their body stacked and a squat pretty much is one of the best ways to understand how well someone actually breathes because if they if they can't breathe very well pelvic diaphragm and the and the thoracic diaphragms can't really stack on top of each other there is very little chance of them being able to get down into a a nice deep squat uh in an organized way without doing funny things with the knees and the feet so that's um now unless they've kind of stretched their life away like in a, in a in a not a, not in a smart manner and really just loosen the hips to the in a in a way that's just what you will see in yoga people let's be honest some of the time like they can get down there but it's i would rather they weren't able to get down there at that point so that's some of our generic one and then depending on um it, it might be shoulders or neck i'll look at just some basic shoulder movements and basic neck movements and then i'll look at some um some range of motion on the table uh, so just generic passive range of motion at the hips and adduction and abduction will be a big one shoulder internal and external rotation and then i'll always look at some breathing as well just so that's one of the main ones if i could only look at two or three things i'd look at them lying on their back with their knees bent asking them to do some breaths for me and see where it expands and where it doesn't and how much of their neck they're using to breathe and I'll, i'd look at a, probably a squat and then I'd probably look at a toe touch and maybe a toe touch to a squat where they actually go hands down and then they sit into a squat from there. So they're, they're probably my main generic ones, unless someone has a very specific problem and they need to hone in on a specific joint. Yeah. I mean, pretty much what, what you just described as an assessment is similar to, to what I look for in the beginning as well. Maybe it's structured in a different way, top down, bottom up, it doesn't matter about mm -hmm. those are the basic, the basic human movements and through the upper body and the lower body and what uh, certain parts of the body should be able to do tolerate weight and stuff, all the shifts through the feet when you forward bend and all the, the strategies the body is using to to complete the tasks. And, and I keep telling people that the brain likes victory. So it would use whatever strategy that it needs to achieve in order to complete the movement. So like, as you said, I'm not also impressed with the range of motion, but I'm impressed with quality. And then if you have the quality and still achieve the range, I'm totally fine with that. Because mm -hmm. like for the most part, end range, end range stuff is like 
um, training or overdoing on the ligaments, uh, on the lig tendons and ligaments side without actually improving the, the range of motion. I mean, that's for, that's for the general people of the population of people who are actually doing it without actually understanding it because training mm -hmm. the end range, if you have the, like the, <laughs> uh, the knowledge of, let's say, Andrea Spina, I mean, that's, an, that's a different story, but then mm -hmm. all the followers who are like, the gospel followers or the dogmatics uh, who are only using that system sometimes if they don't understand i mean that might in the long run it might actually uh, hurt people rather than help them so yeah. integrating that into like a full spectrum movement is what what's important because it as my previous guest lucas said if you if you're trained on the floor and do like all the crazy like uh, internal external rotation stuff, but you're not able to squat like under a barbell, for example, I mean, what's what's what good does it serve you? Like, I mean, yeah, and it's important, yeah. So yeah. squats and squats and stuff. Uh great stuff. Yeah, and and actually, I have a question about your uh, part of your assessment because like. I, I since I also work a lot of with the the nervous system and the, the the eyes and the breath and all that all those kind of things. I mean, most of my clients come come by referral. I'm guessing it's the same way uh, with you. Uh, but um, how do how do people comply with? Uh, how do you get people to comply? Is it is it like uh, pretty straightforward for them? Do they um, embrace the the ideas or the assessment right away, or they look at you funny? Because like it, probably most people most uh, colleagues of yours wouldn't ask them those questions and wouldn't look at those movements and, and strategies yeah um mostly now i think i think mostly i re i very rarely get a funny look anymore very rarely um that's probably because what you're saying like most people are coming from referral or word of mouth or like they've seen a little bit of stuff on instagram and there's a little bit of trust built up even before we've done the session i suppose but in the past yeah they might have they might have looked at me a little bit funny but I think I, I think I, I do understand that people get that and and I, I for whatever reason I think I never got too much of that and I think maybe it's just because I was quite quite comfortable in my own skin with how I was just asking those questions you know and just being honest and like just just looking at movements and not not trying to be saying like this is definitely the answer or this has to be the way but i'm just interested to know and interested to find out and i'm very open with my clients with that like that today like a lot of the time i say in the on the assessment a lot of the especially the online assessment i say today is much more about me than you i just want to find out more about you and the more I can find out now, not finding out information for the sake of it, like your little toe does this when you X, Y, and Z. I don't really care about that. Like there's, unless you have a little toe problem, but there's, there's so <laughs> many big elephants in the room usually that you can clean up before you need to get into the minutia. And I just want to find out what the big elephants are. And like, if is the ribs, a, a, a something that needs to be cleaned up is the pelvis, is the visual system very rarely i find that that is the case but like it's sometimes it's worth checking out is the and, and like surely it makes sense that another big elephant would be like are you able to sleep like are you absolutely stressed and like you just you maybe you don't need any specific movements maybe you just need to be told look you're going to be okay like i just need you to let's let's work on some things that just help you to relax a little bit 
you know and i think it's it's probably about how you put it and how people put it and and when people feel like you're you're just being honest with them and not trying to be fancy or make it make it about like it's it's the assessment is about me finding out about them not me trying to be cool or different for the sake of being different you know so i probably got more of that in the past but i think some trust has been built up now for the most part but if someone does refer if someone is i can kind of know if someone has been forced to do a session like someone's mom or dad has got they've, they've got their child to do a session or vice versa then there will be a little bit of a different kind of feeling with the session so um but for for the most part i don't get that anymore yeah and, and something something another which uh, something different which you mentioned uh, apart from most probably uh, colleagues uh, of ours uh, when when they do an assessment uh, that th those questions about the mental and, and psychological part because i i do i do also notice that i can i can sense if uh, the the person's mentality, the way they enter the door, that comes from experience. So I know how I know how to approach them and what strategies to start working with them first. If it uh, if it's going to be more like breathing and gentle stuff, or if it's yeah. going to be more like hard stuff or whatever, even into the assessment, and and and, and for, for for me to um, uh, win their trust in the beginning. So uh, although although they already come from refer referral from a mm -hmm. few uh, people, anyways, but. Um, how do you is it is it the breathing there that you use mostly for that mental and psychological part because we're not psychologists and we don't work with emotions per se uh, so is yeah. it the breathing that you use uh, for the most part to deal with that and how do people also how to get people to comply with that because people come to you as a movement professional and not somebody dealing with emotions and stuff although we know yeah. it's all related yeah yeah good question really good question it it does depend on the person like so so how do I deal with that the most? I, I I think finding a plan for someone. So so empathy is the first part. So just having some empathy towards their situation where they are and showing an understanding of that. Not saying I have all the answers, but I, I empathize with where you are at the moment and I'm going to try my best to help you out. I think that like when someone, when you kind of get that across to someone, it's a massive sigh of relief already. And a lot of the time people come to me that are very, very frustrated because they've tried a lot of other things and they don't think that like they've lost hope. So the first thing is just is giving someone hope and, and showing them that there's an understanding and there's there's hopefully a path out of this for them. That takes such a weight off people's shoulders straight away. So we're not we're not psych psychologists or anything like that, but we have to be careful because I've like I've spoken on Instagram about like like us the importance of our words and some people have said well you're not a psychologist how can you even approach that and i'll say well okay if i'm not aware how if i'm not aware of how i'm speaking to someone my words can have a very damaging effect so i would rather use words that is going to build someone up and pick them up and, and help them give them hope rather than damaging them so whether we like it or not we are psychologists because our words are having are coming from a place of authority and having a massive impact on someone so i don't use the breathing stuff too much for for that i i will like i think the breathing stuff is is amazing because you're, it's going to start to hit some of that stuff regardless so once they learn to relax and get the ribs to move it is going to they, they are going to feel this relief or relaxation and and let, letting go of stress and 
yoga and all these other systems have known that for thousands of years. So that's definitely not a secret there. So I just like to frame that in a way of, okay, when you look or look or feel how stiff this, this joint is, and then when we do this breathing, look how that improves. So I will always frame it in a way of like a biomechanics way, unless I need to help them understand that, okay, like when you're very, very stressed, you'll feel how this area completely stiffens up and now your movement has to come from somewhere else and like maybe your lower back gets overworked because your middle and upper back can't actually move very well. So I will always try and make it understandable and not woo-woo, but usually my words are the best way and the best way I think of getting someone to like of helping someone who feels like that is giving them a plan giving them a plan and saying look here's how we're going to approach it first we're going to work on some of this stuff the next session we're going to progress you on here and and I understand where you want to get back to which is get back to playing golf or whatever and here's the steps we're going to take and here's where we are at the moment and here's why I think you ended up where you are at the moment and that's because of sloppy training or poor recovery or or maybe you know, mental health or whatever, all of these things have a, have a role to play in it. So as soon as you give someone a plan, they, they, they go home, they are, they skip out of the door when, once they think, okay, we have a plan here and this is not a perfect plan, but it's, a, it's something that I think is going to, to guide us along the way, even though we'll tweak it all the time. Yeah. I mean, having, a, having the plan is, uh, I think the crucial part because, uh, whenever a new client comes and then when he goes home, like, uh, before he goes home after uh, at the end of the session, uh, myself and all my colleagues would actually recommend just like sometimes even a couple of things that they start doing on a regular basis. And oftentimes people are like, should we do something more? And I'm like, no, start with these two, two things, explore and check out uh, the body uh, readjusts and let's start sensing new new things in your body. Because, I mean, most people are, are disconnected. And if you're not able to feel certain areas of your body for your nervous system, it doesn't exist. So it's going to stiffen things up. And then, as you said, oftentimes people will think that the hamstrings are the issue when they're doing a toe touch. And actually the lumbar spine, which is not able to flex. And then it's more of like a protective mechanism because those big chunks of meat are actually helping your spine not to break, for example, <laughs> and, 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 and stuff like that. And when I, when I uh, give people that perspective, they're like, huh, I never thought about this in, in such way. Yeah. And, and then for, for me, like 100% of the people, like this would be the case when people have lower back pain, when they have like herniation, which, is, uh, which they're dealing with. And, and oftentimes they've been told not to flex that, that part of the spine. I'm like, all right, let's start progressively loaded. And then at the end of the day, once they learn to control it, it all goes away. So mm-hmm. yeah. again, ex- explaining and explaining is a, is a crucial part, I guess, for yeah. having compliance with clients and, and at the end of the day, getting results and like breathing, as you said, and meditation and stuff like that. I actually have one of my older clients. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't, uh, he no, no longer trains with me, but he's been doing uh, meditations uh, for the last couple, uh, couple of years. And then he said, that the more he does the meditations and the breathing part, the better his mobility becomes. And I'm like, yeah, because you're distressing. Like, because mm-hmm. like if you're stressed out all the time, and apparently it's not going to loosen things up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's it. Just helping them understand the, the, your words. I think the the, the the most the more simple you can te- keep things, but 
also having to relate it back to their story and their situation so like simple relatable explanations that are that are also a plan towards where we want to get to like if you can give anyone that on the first session and on every session where like an update this session we worked on this great job really well done i really like what we've done there so we're giving them a little bit of compliment and a confidence booster next session we're going to work on this if only if you do your homework and you nail this stuff then we'll be able to get to here and if we can continue to take them little bite-sized chunks in each session and work and, and just chip away we stay motivated we stay like progressing and they understand that okay even if i have a little bit of pain or regression or a couple of days that have gone bad it's not the end of the world it's just life it's it goes up and down but in general we're 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 moving in the right direction all of the time and most people no most people i've ever met when you when you put that in in simple terms for them they'll eat it up they absolutely love it and i actually get referrals before they've even gone home and before, like, before they've even got back home, they've rang their friend or before they've gotten any pain relief or anything like that, they're referring someone because for the first time they have a plan that says, oh, like we, we actually, like I have some hope here. This actually may, the words they always use is this makes sense. And all, a lot of the treatments that people get along the way, it doesn't really make sense to them. They might get a rub and feel good. But it doesn't make sense and they don't have a plan. They'll just go back the next week and they get the same rub. So once they have a plan and, and it makes sense to them, people, that's 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 where our psychology stuff comes in. Like that's that's what people are missing, I think. Yeah, it's funny because yesterday I had a new client uh, again, a referral again. And uh, she came and she's been through like... Uh, like visiting multiple doctors and like being on uh, on an appointments regularly, spent thousands of, of, of money uh, of dollars of, of her own money, and then uh, we we did some work. At the end of the day, she she uh, or the session, she felt super amazing, and she actually was able to sense the the differences. And she's she's been doing yoga and like kaiki and preparing for like Kilimanjaro, but she had to cancel that because she had knee knee problems, mm-hmm. and her knee was giving giving up. And, and then at the end of the session, she was like, we were discussing about the next visit. And she's like, let me check my calendar. And even like half an hour later, I'm sure she wasn't already back home or at work. And she's like, is it okay to give you a number to a friend of mine who's like having this and this pain? And I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. yeah. So it's good so. for business too. Every, everyone wins, you know, and it's, it's, but it's being honest. That's all it is. Just being honest and honest, but always having that sprinkle of hope for people and, and, that's like people love that they appreciate yeah that. yeah having having a win during that session and always uh, trying to explain the connections because sometimes people will come with like an elbow pain and i'm mm-hmm. like all right i don't care about the elbow right now let's look at other stuff like because I, I personally always work from the ground up so i look, mm-hmm. always look at the feet and then goes every single joint up and then check all the movements that you already mentioned before mm-hmm. and then we're not working, we're not touching the elbow, not working anything in the upper body, doing the lower body stuff only at the end of the day, like, ah, oh, my elbow feels perfect. And then <laughs> at first it's like the voodoo magic. And then I start explaining the connections, the gate cycle, whatever, all the stuff. And then they understand and that then, then it makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. definitely. Absolutely. Cool. We've been talking about others, but like, uh, 
I wanted to ask you about your because I haven't seen your personal training. Uh, how how what what is what is it like? Do you like lifting weights? Do you like like running or some other activities? Um, I'm I'm I try to I like playing sport. That's my main thing. So we've two sports in Ireland: Gaelic football and hurling. Um, so two two different sports. People can YouTube them, but um, Gaelic football is like a mix between. Australian rules football and soccer like we can catch the ball and, and it, there's a round ball so um so that that's what I enjoy I, I don't I don't enjoy lifting weights too much um but I do understand the necessity of it sometimes when there's just tissues that you need to condition and stuff like that so you don't see much of my training because my Instagram is trying to promote my clients as much as possible and uh, my like some of my ideas and stuff like that and I try and I, yeah, I try and I try and just I try. I think it's always more powerful for someone to see me coaching someone else through something than for them to just see me doing something, you know. So at the moment, we're back after COVID and we're we're training I think three days a week, and that involves a lot of running and a lot of doms. Um, and I was actually <laughs> saying to my my girlfriend this morning that um, I put on some I put on some weight over COVID because I got a bit lazy and business got so crazy. And um, hmm. after the first few training sessions, I said, I said this morning that even my fat had doms in it, I think, after the after some <laughs> training sessions. So, so, um, yeah, running, running and playing sport is, is my big is my big thing. Um, and then after that, it's like I've tried every type of training and it's just what makes me feel good. Sometimes I just prefer going for a little walk and, and just appreciating the, the outdoors or a hike or something like that than than going crazy on the on the lifting. But um I know it's needed. I need to do more of it. Yeah, yeah. completely, completely understand. And yeah, uh, as you, as you said, it's like what you're, what you enjoy, and like what you mentioned earlier, not telling the person not to, not to do the activity that they like just because they're having the the pain. But I'm like, we always try to coach or to, uh, to tell them not to. To, to work or to to train uh, like around pain and not getting to that threshold where that like the pain starts to uh, to mm -hmm. resurface. So if running five kilometers is too much, run three. But but still do stuff like uh, but but don't 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 like don't bypass and uh, like uh, and, and just try and try not 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 fix the issue. Like because a lot this is like squatting with elevated heels. Like yeah, I mean. It's fine. You can do squat, but why would you want to do this all your life and not fix the problems which are not allowing you to do that? And, mm -hmm. and I, I guess this is the this is important thing for people to understand because uh, they they enjoy the activity so much. So uh, I think they they believe that doing the, these kind of things are uh, taking them away, taking time away. And since they're already way too busy, uh, they think that uh, they're they're regressing in a way because those are slow paced, very focused uh, movements. Yeah. And I think partially, uh, like as you said, I try to uh, to keep a healthy mix between um, sharing our achievements and our movement and our training, like myself and the team, and mm -hmm. success stories from from clients. Uh, because, for example, we're in a in a niche where like we do like like gymnastics stuff, splits, handstands, and stuff, and people yeah. are impressed by that. But when they look probably some of the exercises that you do and and like ourselves as well nowadays, they're pretty boring, and people wouldn't understand the principle behind it. And there's gonna be like no engagement and interaction whatsoever. Like yeah. I remember in the beginning before I took that, actually it was in Dublin when I took the FRC course uh, back in 2017. I was looking at. I was looking at like all the main instructors doing it on Instagram and internet. 
didn't quite understand like what are those faces and all that like the tension and all that stuff and i'm like yeah. i don't understand and I'm, I'm guessing the people are are the same way in the beginning when they look at online yeah definitely so, when i was doing a lot more gymnastics i posted a lot more uh a lot more stuff of me doing gymnastics of doing handstands and stuff like that because it was cooler and it was easy on the eye so um definitely i can under i can understand that but um yeah hopefully <laughs> i don't know i can't i can't get a video of me of me playing sport or anything like that at the moment so um so yeah just well i'm trying to do my gym here which i mean is nearly finished and my clinic is nearly finished which we renovated and um trying to get a, a track outside and stuff like that so like just working on more plyometric stuff and um ideas around that i think that can be very cool for people to see and they you know like that's that's where we're going to be working a lot on next because i haven't showed enough people or, or probably showed enough of what i do in that kind of end stage rehab and i think a lot of people are interested in that and we're hopefully going to have some courses around that so getting people back to running and showing like okay we can we can we can progress all the way through the stages from the very very early stage rehab to back to performance and performing better than we ever have before and like here's some of the things along the way and um just on your point with the with the running stuff like that or the people are people are playing sport and they don't want to maybe regress back to other things like again i think that comes back to explanation where it's like and that's where in in, in some of my programs and stuff people see the I think they like the like the running specific exercises where we strengthen people in running specific movements and positions and it makes sense to them that like oh yeah I'm I'm maybe I can't run that much at the moment or or whatever I can do a little bit but I'm still preparing my body in some way for the those demands and yeah I can work on the gentle stuff I can work on running specific strength I can work on some kind of ply almost everyone can use some kind of plyometric or jumping variation even if they have the like no i won't say the worst achilles pain but like most people can have some kind of reactive strength or reactive plyometric in their program along the way and it just makes sense like look we're going to start here and build it all the way back up to you sprinting but we're getting specific from the very start. And that's, that's, I think people love that stuff. They love to see, yeah, when you just point it out to them, can you see how when you're lying on your back in that position and you're working your hamstring in that position, if I flipped you up, it would look like you're running. And as soon as you mm. say that, they're like, yep, yeah, this is amazing, you know? So like just little explanations, little details that don't have to be complicated, but that makes, that, that changes the buy-in so much, I think, you know? Yeah, and, and sometimes I, I I do the same thing as you said, like laying on their back, they're working the hamstring, and then I show them the position like with uh, mm -hmm. the torso, the head, and the torso on top of the leg into like a pronation mechanics, like uh, to the gait cycle. And I'm like, does it look the same? Like, yeah, it just works different parts. Like one loads more of the front and decelerates, and the other one was more the strength component of the posterior chain and all that stuff. And once they understand, they're like, it's it's no longer it's no longer the boring exercise. Yeah, exactly. And that, it uh, means uh, something to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and oftentimes it's like uh, even those those boring exercises. I, I, I even today I had uh, I had a talk with a uh, with a client, and I'm like, if if you're not able to control your breath, if you're too wobbly, if you're compensating using your arms and trunk to do a single step up, it means that it's hard for you neurologically. I don't care if if you feel that you're super strong. I mean, unless you're able to do it like super consistently, uh, like like having a conversation and even like sometimes closing your eyes mm -hmm. from like a step this this tall, 
mean you're not ready to progress about something heavier or you, you might do it i mean i'm not against you trying experimenting but for the purposes of your goal i mean it's not good in the in the long term because you bypass you you skip the the, ba- the basics and then at one point you can you're going to stall and you're going to get stuck or you're going to get injured and then you're going to wonder why i'm training so hard but mm-hmm. I, I got injured so yeah yeah, absolutely. 100% agree with that. You watch Long-term the nervous system. Thinking. Yeah, you watch the nervous system learn in front of your eyes and like it doesn't matter how much maybe bar- a barbell you put on your back and how much weight you put in your back when you ask someone to do a coordinated movement and they can't put it together. Like I think that's where the easy gains are in the beginning because I think we should chase coordination and and when I talk about coordination sometimes people think I mean like standing on a bosu ball and hitting flashing lights it's, it's not it's joint coordination yeah. it's muscular coordination um and interlimb coordination things like that and like the nervous system learns that picks relearns that stuff because it's there it's embedded there they just kind of forgot it or lost it for whatever reason and it picks that stuff up and it makes people feel so good so quickly and that's the stuff that I stress so early with people. It's easy. It's it's actually so, I think it's so easy to plug strength in on top of that. But when we miss that stuff and we chase strength very early, more often than not, we have to end up going back and trying to get the other, that stuff. And um, I think our gains, our gains, strength is easy. Strength is just pro- understanding progressive overload and being consistent. Whereas... Yep coordination like it's also easy it's just understanding position and joint motion and the attractors of human movement but they they that that, the nervous system soaks that stuff up it learns so quickly yeah and and like people people uh, uh, people um, consider strength only for the most part by being able to lift or move a certain weight and i'm like there are different ways to challenge yourself like varying the tempo uh, like uh, doing more reps and changing the, the tweaking the, the the exercise just slightly because sometimes I'll have like uh, people who are used to squatting with their feet out they wouldn't be able to squat properly with their feet uh, parallel and then if some coaches or postural exercise uh, uh, trainers keep having them with the parallel feet, I'll sometimes tweak it and have them like internally rotated femurs and I have asked them to squat and they're not able to do it. And I'm like, I want you to be able to do everything like and feel mm-hmm. safe in the various positions. Like a uh, quote from Ido Portal is like, there's no wrong movement. Uh, there is like unprepared body for the certain moving, for movement. Yeah. And like, I, I'm like, don't get stuck. Like that's why if if you're i have i i know yoga teachers i have a client who's a yoga teacher but she's not she's not dogmatic she trains with weights she comes to me she learns from other people and she applies that with her uh, clients and they're like some of them are like huh this doesn't look like yoga what is it and like she's like movement like it's, just, yeah. it's really hard to confine it into a box and explain what it is it's a mixture of many things which actually work for this specific individual yeah sounds like a good teacher yeah um and last question uh what like in terms of like principles and then movement and breathing and whatever you feel uh like uh, it's important for people to do what would be like let's say three things which people should like start start with like first exploring checking on in the beginning and then working on to getting better at oh that's a big question is this yeah. any, any, for any person any person from the very beginning even to the more advanced. Okay. Um, Base, baselines. 
Okay, cool. So, so for anyone, for for anyone, I think like breathing is an easy win usually. Um, so hopefully we all breathe, and uh, <laughs> hopefully none of us, hopefully none of us are not breathing anymore. Um, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So I think that's an easy win. So if you're taking twenty one or two thousand breaths a day, if you if each breath was a little better um, than it was last week without putting much effort into it like five minutes a day then i think that's a big win in terms of sleep in terms of how your joints move how your spine feels in terms of even probably things like digestion relaxation like loads of different things who knows what but i think that's something easy to to work on so i think the best way to work on that probably is in a more passive way (laughs) excuse me, in a more passive way, which would be just sitting down, lying down, standing, whatever, and just taking an inhale and an exhale through your nose. And that's hopefully how we should breathe throughout the day. So the easiest win, actually, I should say for anyone is if you're a mouth breather, try and train yourself to be breathing through your nose. Like the biggest, biggest, biggest win anyone could ever get will be that, I would say. So that's that's number one. Um, and then if you if you feel like that, that that's easy for you, it will be more of a like get into a position, maybe lying or seated. It doesn't really matter. And then just think about doing an inhale through your nose and then a long, 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 long exhale out of your mouth and just getting rid of that air, pausing and then taking another inhale and just working on that for a couple of minutes a day. But I will uh, caveat to that is, the exhale, I believe, only counts if your ribs are actually moving and not this like weird isometric contraction of the abdominals where nothing is moving and you but you're just blowing and you're like your head is gonna explode. That doesn't <laughs> count. So you should be able to feel your ribs actually moving and you can use your hands for feedback on that. That would be number one. Number two would be walking, and that would be I'm not gonna talk about the specifics of biomechanics or anything like that. Uh with walking, I think the easiest win there would be getting out every day hopefully like i know a lot of people live in cities and stuff like that but getting out somewhere where there is maybe a little bit of nature around it doesn't have to be a forest or anything like that but just somewhere where your visual system has a chance to actually open up and appreciate the periphery and i would say there's three things with walking maybe three things one is that peripheral vision and that just being out in nature and appreciating sounds and smells and and different different colors and stuff like that i can't really get into the details of why that's so important uh for your entire body and how you how you move but it is uh people would just have to trust me on that (laughs) um and the second thing with walking is making sure that you're not looking down too much so obviously we won't look need to look down but like just try and have your eyes on the horizon and appreciate the world around you. It is an eye thing as well, but it's also a neck thing and a breathing thing and a spine thing. Um, and then the third one, and all of these kind of go together with walking, is making sure your arms are swinging. And that does not mean trying to swing your arms. It means bringing your awareness and feeling and hopefully feeling that your arms have a little small chance to actually swing. Um and if they're not, that is another sign of very poor breathing mechanics because when arms swing, chests pump and left chest and right chest get a chance to pump against each other. And when you see someone that can't arm swing, you're seeing someone that actually can't get any expansion into the chest walls 
Um, so that's why number, points one, breathing, and points two, walking are probably the two most important things. And when you break down walking, I think arm swing is the most important thing. But that doesn't mean, and the, and the visual system, that doesn't mean I go and just swing my arms and train arm swing. It just means if I don't have any arm swing whatsoever, or a lot of people will swing their left arm and they won't really swing their right arm. It just means that there's something to be looked at there. And, and when you start to feel that arm swing come back, you're, you're, you, you're, it'd be like ecstasy. Your body feels amazing. There's so much free energy and, <laughs> and like motion being driven into the spine and down into the hips with that. So um, that would be the second one. And the third one then would be, ooh, what would the third one be? The third one would be, I don't know, explore your movement, have some kind of little assessment or like maybe not assessment. I don't like the word assessment, but some kind of rhythmical movement or like a little bit of a dance or some kind of movement that I go to every day. It doesn't have to be the same every day, but a little check-in with my body every day just to see how I feel and um, get some things moving. And that that practice, I suppose, could be a little bit different for everyone. That could be someone else someone going for a walk themselves someone going for a little run maybe one person has a yoga class maybe someone else has uh, a pilates class maybe someone goes to the gym but hopefully one of something where there's a little bit of awareness around my movement i think and enjoyment and enjoyment that's 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 hugely important so for anyone i think most people can find a practice that they can hopefully stick to that doesn't take that much time that they enjoy and maybe their heart rate gets up a little bit and they just get a chance to get out of their heads get out of their office get out of their phone and just enjoy what their body has to offer and um, not worry too much about the pain in my knee or anything just just try and move with no thoughts or feelings around it and no no like hopefully no labels attached to it and just feel what i can feel on that given day so they're probably my my three big ones awesome awesome and, and your uh, last three also resonate a lot with with what i like to uh and what i share with with my clients as well i mean understand it or not initially but as you said you, we don't go to i mean if we go too deep into each uh, of the three i mean it, it, one hour is not going to be enough for each but uh as you said it's it's good that they trust us and start exploring because then when they come back they, they actually have some feedback and and then the conversation begins in the beginning it's just us like telling them and asking for their trust and then once they spend some time with themselves we get that they get that feedback and then it's i mean everything gets better from there yep yep <laughs> amazing david it was uh a great hour and 10 minutes and i really enjoyed our our talk very casual a um, lot of insights and a lot of useful tips for for people man many perspectives shifts for for probably the most most of our clients uh, or listeners uh, in that regard so i will share all of your information in the in the notes um uh, i'll let you know when when it's ready so you can also reshare it uh if you have any final words now it's the time i guess I don't have too much. No, I'll just say thank you very much for having me on. And um, I know you're doing some great work over there. So uh, that's that's great to see you always. And I appreciate you. Um, the work you're doing with your, with your clients and with everyone else and the good word that you're spreading. So thank you very much. And hopefully the listeners enjoyed it and I didn't ramble on too much. Thank you once again.